Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We're here. Another episode of AEW Unrestricted. It's my shit's falling over on the side. Sorry. Um, yeah. Early. Yeah. Hi, hi, uh, hi. Tony Schiavone. And, hi, uh, Tony Schiavone. This is Aubrey Edwards. How are you doing today? Greatest referee ever. Checks in the mail, Tony. Hey, we, we welcome, <laughs> we welcome uh, the natural Dustin Rhodes with us. Dustin, thanks for coming. Thanks for dressing up. Good to see you. Okay, hold on, guys. Um, now we're ready to go. You can't do the on. clacker. They have to use that specifically so they know when to cut. I know how to. This is not the <laughs> introduction. Uh, apparently, it is because you're not talking into the microphone. Okay, it's directional. There you go. Sorry. It's directional. <laughs> okay. Look, he guys, said he knows, but really is full of shit. That's please, what I learned today. Please, y'all be gentle with me. I'm very fragile. <laughs> well, first of all, it's great like to this. See it, yes, like that. Okay. okay, so just look this way. <laughs> yes. All right. The video. It's good to. See, it's good to great. see y'all too, but I can't turn because I have to talk into the mic. So, <laughs> hi, Tony. How are you? <laughs> So it must be a thrill for you uh, to be a back and in pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to get this thing started. <laughs> okay. This is, Our thanks to Dustin it, Rhodes for being with us. Thank you for having me, Tony. Hey, Aubrey. Uh, it's great to great to have you. Yes, sir. Okay. You've had a lot of great moments in your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how about the moment in AEW when you wrestled Cody at double or nothing? Let's start with that. Match you, of the how year, would you, by How the way. would you rank that as... You want me to just tell the story of that? Yes, yes, please. Yes, we do. Well, you know, when you're sitting at home for a couple of months with another company who doesn't value you at all, and you're sitting there and you know you have so much more to offer and give, you kind of lose your passion. And mm-hmm. for the first time in my 31 years, I lost my passion for the wrestling business. I loved wrestling, you know. Um, came out of my mother's womb wanting to be a wrestler. And we were raised that way. And dad wanted something different for me. He did not want me to go through the hardships that he went through. And I understand that looking back at it now. But I'm sitting there, man, just knowing I have so much more to give. And they just will not give me the time of day. And I'd had enough. I said enough was enough. And for the first time, you know, I kind of stood up for myself in a big way and said, I am quitting Mm-hmm. I am asking you for my release. I'm done. I'm not happy here anymore. And you know how they how they do. They make mm-hmm. you kind of wait it out. And it was getting very close to double or nothing. Mm-hmm. And Cody called me. And he said, would you like to work a match with me? And at first I thought, we have tried this for years and years and years. Because you guys pitched this match at WWE. Uh, for years, and they told us it was not good enough to be on the big stage. I, I heard why. that more than once. Every year, It's a I story tried. built in. Cody tried. Yeah, right. It is. Um, but they didn't see any value in it. So, you know, after years of that, it's like I started thinking, could it be too late for, for this match to take place? I'm 50 years old. Could I give a performance for my brother Cody, 
for the wrestling world and the fans that I could be proud of. So I was nervous. I was scared. The competition is fierce right now. It's very athletic, very fast. The talent are young, hungry, passionate. And here I am, you know, um, 31 years in the business. And it's like, of course I said yes to Cody, but, you know, I had that thing in the back of my head and it was was very scared, Mm -hmm. very nervous how the AEW crowd would take to me. Because I'd been WWE for so, so long, and I knew that, and I'd heard that they were different crowds. And, uh, you know, I was, I was nervous about all kinds of things. So I, I lived in my head for, for way too long leading up to that match. And we finally get there, and it's just like I was made to feel loved and cared for and respected in the business from day one that I met Tony Khan and Cody, you know, arms open, you know, it, it's great. It was awesome. And the announcements are made, and Cody goes to the ring. My time's there. I'm nervous as crazy. I'm sweating like a pig. I'm caffeined out of my mind, <laughs> you know, just hoping that I can get through this 20-something minutes. My music hit, and I walked out, and I got a really good reaction. And I was like, okay, these two stories, because the, the two interviews the two promos that we cut for the the road to you know double or nothing they was, were fantastic that's all we did yeah and it, there was no build-up for this or anything but those were strong enough that that's the all the build-up we needed and i get to the ring you know and they're chanting both cody dustin right and the, and then the bell rings and they started the dusty chant and immediately it and i just want to take you out of this because this is the only way that i can explain it if you've seen the movie the legend of bagger vance mm-hmm. uh you have will smith right who is the caddy for matt damon and he tries to get him tries to help him find himself again and get him into the zone and he teaches him how to do it and they're standing on the fairway and the gallery is on both sides of the fairway and he can't focus right so will smith teaches him how to focus and then all of a sudden you know matt's looking down the the fairway the pin gets closer fans disappear and he sees nothing but the hole right Mm -hmm. that's the feeling i got they started the dusty chance and i pointed up to the sky and i knew he was there with us in the rafters it's very emotional when i talk about it because i knew he was there and um they started the chance and everybody in the arena disappeared for me I could see them, but I couldn't see them. I could hear them, but I couldn't hear them. Mm-hmm. I was laser focused from that point on at getting the job done and, and the task at hand that needed to be done. And me and Cody could have missed a few things, which we didn't, but we could have missed a few things and it wouldn't have mattered. The stars aligned for that match. And in my opinion, it was perfection. I know Cody says, you know, it probably wasn't his greatest match ever, and I understand that. But for me, this was, this was the tops. I, it topped everything I've done in the business. That's wonderful. And, and it was a special night. You know, it was very emotional. You, you had the crowd invested in this, mm-hmm. and they were standing because we were telling a story, which not everybody does in the business anymore. And it brought it back for me, me watching Dad, you know, in 1986 or around there. Like real pro wrestling where there was blood and guts and 
I did bleed excessively, and I was very, bit. very worried about that. A and Cody bit. was worried about that, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm sitting there, and I'm getting dizzy, and it's not stopping. And Cody's like, "Do we need to go? Should we go home now?" And I'm like, "No, let's let's do this." I was fine, but man, it was just a gusher, and it was coming, and it wouldn't stop. Very dizzy for a couple of days, but after that that match, man, it was like, wow! It was like such a weight had been lifted. And at that moment right there, I had found my passion again. Yeah. Yes. Such a wonderful story. That's a great story. Thank you. It really is. I, you know, Cody said on. Uh, uh, no, we're not. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Cody, said, <laughs> Cody said on, on the earlier podcast we, we had, or podcast we had done with him is that uh, he kept thinking, man, I need to stick a thumb. That's all he could think about were you, how much you were bleeding. And should I stick a thumb stick in it, it. stop him? Stopping bleeding. So that was a, during the course of the match. I guess you guys were really concerned about that, right? We were. And yeah. and I got up for a superplex on the uh, top, and I started to get dizzy. Mm-hmm. And we had to go. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it w- we were going to end up on the floor. Right. right. And we did it. And it was okay. Thank God. Everything went off as planned. But, man, it was slippery. I'm very dizzy. And it was just uh, one of those touching moments, man. You know, it's like I look back. At some of the stills, and I see Cody. He's bent. He's bent down on the ground, and I'm right beside him, and I'm touching his back. And it's one of those moments that, as a wrestling fan, you look at that, and and they, you you have them. You have them in the palm of your hand at that point because they're looking like, what the hell is going on here? These two brothers are going to war, but he still loves him. You know what I mean? They're they're touching each other. They're they're holding on to each other. They're fighting. A war which they can barely stand up anymore, and just it's storytelling at its finest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So backstage now, you see Cody backstage here at AEW with the head set on. He's at the uh, the go, go position. position. You're you're back there sometimes. What do you think when you look at your younger brother doing all this? I think Cody. Um, <sighs> Cody has really grabbed this ball and taken off with it. I see Cody personally, and I'm not just saying this because he's my brother, but he does the most work here, mm-hmm. um, backstage and out in the ring. I mean, he's such a great performer. But the things that really impress me are the things that he does backstage, from holding the meetings to just knowing what is needed to be done. Even though you have your, your uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Tony, the, the group collective there, mm-hmm. But Cody, man, I just because I know him and I'm watching him just handle business he on the business stops. side of it, and He's it's just, just really impressive. And it reminds me of dad a lot. Mm, My dad had awesome. had that thing about him. I'm more of the performer and the promo guy that can cut the promos and, and wrestle. Cody has the whole package. I think mm-hmm. um, that's a giant burden on anybody's back. It is hard to please the fans all the time with a whole roster of things and a whole TV show. It's tough to do. Mm-hmm. And he's handling it. And he's listening to the people. He's listening to their needs and their wants. And we try our best to give them what they want. And, you know, you learn from your small mistakes and you try to build upon those the next week and not have those same mistakes. And he's really handling it well. So you say you're the promo guy and the performer guy, but I mean, one of the things that, like, we work the most together in your class that you run every Wednesday. Right. And that's probably one of my favorite parts of Wednesday Dynamite is just getting to like work with you and the rest of the girls, learning from you and all of your knowledge. So how how did that whole 
part start, like you coming in as a coach? Well, you know, when we were talking about, I wasn't offered a contract. You know, they, they wanted to see me. Tony wanted to see me. From what I understand, he just loves Dustin. He knows mm-hmm. every single one of my matches. He knows everything about every match. And the matches I don't even remember having, you know, and the moves in those matches. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and they, Cody said, you know, come to fight for the fallen and let's have this tag match against the Young Bucks and then we'll talk. You know, you can have a meeting with Tony or whatever, but I'm staying out of this one. I'm staying out of this one because you're my brother and that's just... What right, I need right, to right. do, you need to talk to Tony. So I talked to him, and we we got our deal worked out, and which, which was great. As a ta- in ring uh, performer and as a promo coach and coach, and Brandy just asked me, you know, she came up to me and said, "Hey, I would like to get in there and train with you, maybe get some of the girls in there." I'm like, "Awesome!" So we did that, man, and, and we've made it a weekly thing. And it's one of my highlights of the day is to get in there and to see the the young women that we have and they're my kids i Mm -hmm. I consider everybody here my kids even though they're young men and women i really love them and it's it's important that i pass on my knowledge to them like the old timers did for me yeah you know what i'm saying i'm not one of those people that's gonna be very selfish and say you know what you don't deserve this it's not for you i'm gonna i'm gonna let them know my i'm gonna give them my knowledge and try to teach them the best of my ability they use it, they use it. If they don't, that's fine. You know what I mean? But you you find out real quick after the years of seeing it who wants it and who doesn't. Right. And then you you know, you move on to the people who actually want to help, mm-hmm. want to help, you know, want the help. And it's um it's rewarding for me to see them learn something and utilize it in a match on TV. It makes me smile. So you know, this is, it's a fun, that that's probably my funnest thing that I do during the day and, and to help the kids, you know, when they're struggling with promos, the ones that really need it, you know, to bring out their character a little bit and, and to be more boisterous and, and loud in certain points and, you know, facial expressions, you tell a story, man, tell me a story on a promo, just like you do in a match. We're talking. Does that make sense? Are you tired? Did you go to sleep? I did go to sleep. How did you sleep? Okay. I woke up a couple of times. <laughs> it's okay. I woke up, uh, I think uh, one word you said, and, and it woke me up. He yeah. Didn't ask okay. you. Well, sorry, guys. I was just letting you know. Okay. <laughs> We're talking with Dustin Rhodes. We're going to talk about his career moments coming up as well. I want to talk about, uh, Dustin, uh, your, your great career moments because you've had a, a long and illustrious career 31 years. I was there when you first started, kind of. Uh, and, um, you have some, would you consider, great moments in your career. I know we talked about the Cody match, and that's got to be one of them, obviously. But going back before that, I mean, there were moments with WCW, moments with WWF, WE. Can you kind of list them? Or so, um, I think in the WCW, some of the, the great moments I had were with um, the tag match in, in Savannah, Georgia, where I um, – had a mystery partner in Ricky the Dragon Steamboat against Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco. We won the titles that right. night. Mm. It was a very electric night. They were loud as hell, man. And it was uh, such a good surprise, even though he had a dragon mask on. It's like, who is that? You know, nobody could, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody thought that was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, but right. they popped when they took the, the uh, mask off. And sure. when we won the uh, titles, was one of the loudest nights I believe I've ever been involved in with in a, in a match um for me personally it's great you know learning learning from arn anderson 
these are my teachers, Barry Windham, Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco. Larry didn't teach me too much because he's a shit. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Eaton. Right. Right. Those guys right there were, were my teachers and, and Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat taught me how to sell. Hmm. And we would have these hour hour long Broadway matches, and uh, I would be selling a couple nights, you know. And we were working with Arn and Bobby, and then Ricky wouldn't want me to sell anymore, and he would want to sell, and I I couldn't understand why, but he was teaching me, and I had the best seat in the house to uh, stand there on the apron and watch him tell a story with him getting his ass kicked, and that taught me a lot about how to sell and how. Your facial expressions need to be up and, and looking at the crowd and really selling to them and making them believe. Um, another moment, Steve Austin. We had some really, really classic matches. Halloween Havoc, you know, mm-hmm. United States title. <sighs> Anytime I tagged with Barry was very special for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we grew up together. He was like my best friend. You still stay in touch with Barry? I, mean, I do general. occasionally. He's just... Barry's kind of lost his way. Really? Mm. A little yeah. bit. He's yeah. had some health issues, too. Yes. Yeah. I, I heard he's big as a house. Yeah. Like Blackjack. Blackjack was really sure. good, too. Yeah. So moving on from WCW. Yes. Okay. Um, WWE. We can talk about that crap company, right? Yes, we can. Okay, yes, good. Because it's a shit. Okay. <laughs> but I had some good moments in it. Yeah. I mean, the longevity of Goldust is one of the... One of the big things it's of the WWE. A, such a huge impact. It really it, in right. the industry even today. Like right. just talking to say Sunny Kiss and the impact it's made on him. Well, yeah, we can get to the Sunny Kiss and the Gold Dust issues because back then it was you. You did not do it. No. Right. So it was really stepping over the line. And Vince called me and he he presented this character to me, and he kept calling it androgynous. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like. I'm just listening to him, and he's explaining the character, and we hang up. We just, I decide to go up in Stanford and, at the office and, and meet up, and we talk about the character. As soon as I hung up the phone, I you know looked up in the dictionary what androgynous meant because I didn't know. Right. And I was like, what the fuck did I just agree to, right? <laughs> I had no clue. You know, I thought he was wanting me to kind of – and it is androgynous, but I just didn't know what that meant, like, mm-hmm. like a um, – Adrian Street or Adrian Adonis type character. Right. But with paint, because I wanted to do the paint. I was a mm-hmm. big fan of, of Sting's face paint and face paint in general. So we'll go up there, you know, the first six months, this character, I was a very lost because I was trying to figure out how to be a heel for the first time in my short career and learning a character too. So it was two daunting things to try to figure out you know and vince gave me full reign with the character he he was pushing it and you had you had um the group the clique you had all all these factions that you know they got stuff done if they didn't like you right but Mm -hmm. vince was going with me and that that's the only thing that i had going for me was that he was not going to back down and he was letting me experiment and let me letting me find my way in this character but I was not getting the reactions that I really was looking for, mm-hmm. right, in the ring. And it took a while. And then I started working Savio Vega. And Savio would try so hard to get me to try this these couple of things that were just way over the line for me. Mm-hmm. I'm from Texas. I, you know, I was raised kind of in the country and things like that. So I'm a country boy. I'm a redneck. Mm-hmm. 
And to do this, I was just like, and I, I, I'm scared to death to do that. But that's when I realized, when I finally did it, that to make something successful, you have to step out of yourself, outside of the box, and you've got to create some magic of your own. You can't just be scared all the time. You've got to take a chance. And we were in Madison Square Garden, and this was a special night. That's why I'm telling the story. And um, Savio finally talked me into doing this thing. Vince was in attendance because back then he was like one of the boys still. Mm -hmm. And he would go to the matches and hang out at the curtain and ooh and ah while the matches were going on. So he was like one of the boys you could Mm -hmm. talk to. So he finally talks me into this. And New York is a predominantly uh, Puerto Rican area, right? And Savio Vegas, Puerto Rican. So he talks me into it. I'm nervous as shit. We go out there. We start wrestling, you know, and having our match. I was the Intercontinental Champion at the time. He locks up with me, and he he says, okay, we're going to do it now. And I'm like, so all it was was me locking up, going behind him, rubbing up and down his chest, and kind of grazing over his privates down downstairs, mm-hmm. you know? And then he pushes away and chases me, and I take a powder. That's mm-hmm. it. That was it, right? Just a very simple move. Very simple. And I did it, and I took a powder in the fucking place for the first time in like six, seven months, erupted with every kind of profane thing just thrown my way. Mm-hmm. And it was like, holy shit. And it was so simple, and I was so scared to try that, that it's like, you know, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Just the reaction. And they were, I mean, if I would have been so close to the rail that there would have been swinging, it mm-hmm. was bad. It was major heat. You did not do that back then. Mm-hmm. So I roll in, and Savio's over in the corner, and he's laughing his ass off. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I walk up with him, and I'm like, fuck are you laughing at yeah i told you i told you man i told you we're gonna do it again we're gonna do this again i'm like what are we doing so i backed him up in the corner and he says i want you to spin me around and turn around and rub your ass in my crotch and i'll push you off you take a powder again yeah that's all i did right and it very, worked very and they were louder this time and oh. i'm like oh because you've so, already got them right then in madison square garden i found gold dust yes and from that point on, man, it was it was a magical, magical run for a couple of years. I had the Roddy Piper moment, WrestleMania 12, which was, at that point, uh, tops for me, mm-hmm. right? And, and it was tops until Cody, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, you have the Starcade, or not Starcade, you have, going back to WCW, War Games, I forgot all about that. That was one of my favorite moments of all time, the Sting Squadron and Dangerous Alliance. Incredible match. Yeah. So much fun, blood and guts and things that I really loved about the business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any time that they had war games, I wanted to be involved in it. And I was involved in a few. So it was awesome. I loved that. And here we are. Is that 15 minutes? No, no. We got, we got, we got plenty more. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I remember, because I, I did not much watch much of the WWE, but I remember seeing you and Terry on Conan O'Brien, when you walked down, yeah. and you sat down and you looked at Conan and said, is that a microphone that you have, or are you just happy to see me? Right. And I almost fell out of my chair, because that's the first. that was my first time I'd ever seen Goldust. Right. And I got to thinking, 
like you were thinking, oh boy, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh boy, right? But it was, I mean, you made it work. But my question is, and I've always wanted to ask you this do, do you think, you know, because I was so close to your dad, he had your dad wear polka dots and he had you dress up like this, and he and and then Cody dressed up like Stardust. Do you think that was just trying to make fun of the Rhodes family? Is that is that valid to say that? Or or not? I mean, you, you guys made it work. All of you made it work, and you made money with it, and that's the key. But it is. Did, did, do you think there was some ulterior motive to this? You know, there could have been. I, I'm not real sure. At the beginning, I, I was thinking that, you know, right. but then I, you know, Vince kept going with me, and I don't know if he was really didn't give a shit or... Because your dad always called, just, him, called himself Gold Dust, too, at times. Huh? Your dad called himself Gold Dust at times, too. He did? Oh, yeah. Gold Dust? Gold Dust, uh-huh. When? <laughs> I've never heard that oh, story. Oh, absolutely. You, you never heard that story? No. He would use it in some, in some of his promos. And not that he would refer to himself as Gold Dust, but he would use the word Gold Dust in some of his promos. I swear to God, I've never heard that. Uh, there that, may be. There may be a... Uh, there may be a or was some, it Stardust? No, I thought it was gold because he he did stardust. Okay, I I just I he, didn't he have tights one time that said gold dust on it. Stardust said stardust. 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 Okay, yeah. There you go. So I'm old. I don't remember everything. That's so okay, anyway, man. Back, yeah, to, back to that's why Tony Khan was here. He would know. <laughs> yeah, let's go find <laughs> Tony. Somebody so, text Tony. So He'll tell anyway, us the, so, the so time, the, the day, so the back location. That question, you guys made it work, but sometimes I look at that and think, gosh, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah, because it's a Bruce, rib, right? yeah, right. Because Bruce Pritchard told me, and I was working for Vince at the time. He said, Dusty's coming in. I said, great. He said, he's going to wear polka dots. I went, bullshit. Mm-hmm. He said, no, he is. And I said, no, you're lying. And I, and I didn't believe him. And then I saw him wear them, and I saw he made him work. Of course he did, right? Uh, but uh, sometimes I just thought it was a big rib on the family because, I mean, you guys. It probably was, I mean, you know. You, but we, we made money for him. Right. We made money, money ourselves. Right. So it was, uh, it was fun. And I was young, so I didn't really think about those things or look too much in depth i mean vince and i always he would come to me and you know he would say dustin you're going to get a lot of flack on this and he would be very personable with me and he would say you know if you have any problems you call me and i did on on more than a few occasions Mm -hmm. you know not huge problems but just minor things that you know i was trying to work out because you know i I was unsure at the time because i was so young and he helped me through all of that stuff. So if it was a rib, I don't know, man. Looking back at it, though, now, I don't think so now mm-hmm. at 50. I'm not sure about Dad, but for me, he probably meant it, meant every bit of it. I mean, especially if he's I'm so hoping. committed to it. Because I remember one time when, when Dad told me this. We, we were working Million Dollar Man at Ted DiBiase, and Dad was on his way out. He was going back to Florida to open up a territory there or try to revive a territory under a, a new moniker. And I wanted to go with him. So I see Dad talking to Vince, and Dad told me, well, you need to ask for your release because I'd been there about six months, I guess, or something. So I went up and asked, you know, so I would like to go with my father to finish yeah, or back up this company with him and he said he said yes he he let me go right away it was a lot different back then than it was now sure Mm -hmm. but then he pulled and dad told me this he said pulled dusty aside later and he said you take him now but i'm gonna bring him back and make him a star Mm. and i don't know if dad i don't think my dad was lying to me about that but he kept that from me for a 
a good many years. Mm-hmm. And Vince did. He made me a star. And But a lot of that had to do with the actual talent having to find themselves. And that's what they have to do today, find themselves to become a star. You can't just magically be given a gimmick and it's going to work. Right. You have to, you have to make it work. Mm-hmm. Well, the gimmick has certainly worked, and uh, we're not going to let you get away without talking about your uh, family and your dad, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. We're uh, talking to Dusty Rhodes, performer, promo, teacher, coach, friend, lots of cool things. The question I need to ask y'all is, yeah. are my promos any good? Absolutely. So, I'm a good promo teacher then? Yes. Okay, good. I Whew. mean, you're teaching Thank a... God. I was waiting for Tony to class. say that, though, because he's looking at me like, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> Have you been working with Britt Baker? On uh, th- this is Cody's project. Okay, mm-hmm. right, he he won't let me touch these promos, okay. so I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of special to me. Is that why you know? you're asking? Because yeah, you're a shitty barista. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's doing well. She's doing well. Yeah. She did good last week. Hopefully, mm-hmm. she doesn't lose her way in this promo and get mm-hmm. lost. Right. That that's important, isn't it? to yes. to focus like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, to stay focused. That's 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 very not, not try to memorize so much and just be real. Mm-hmm. Cuz I mean that's what the audience connects to. And that takes time. It's not it doesn't happen overnight. No. I I see big things out of Brett, you know, I really do. I want this heel run of hers to be explosive and and mean something. I want all of our ladies to actually really step up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want them to succeed probably more so than most of the guys. Mm-hmm. Because I think they deserve it. We just got to get them there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go so, ahead. Sorry, I just cut you no, off. No, it's fine. I, I mean, everything you're talking about is great. Anyway, Tony, so what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do want to talk I about your. <laughs> we do want to talk about your family. Yeah, your youngest. Your, your, your first time that you said, hey, I want to be a wrestler. Do you remember when that was? You were saying you came out of the womb wanting to wrestle. Right. I uh, do not remember the exact age I was, but I know it was. Six, seven. So it was always something that you just kind of knew you were going to do. Yeah, yeah. At what point did did you kind of realize who your dad was to this business? Probably like, around 10, 11 years old. Just just how how big of a... How big of an impact he's made. How big of an impact he was in my life. And it just made it bigger, you know, because of the wrestling business. Right. Just like, oh my God, my dad is... Is that guy. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I always wanted to wrestle. He didn't want me to wrestle. Why is that? Well, like I said, it's uh, there were there were you know divorces, a lot of divorces, a lot of being away from your families, and I think that's one of the reasons probably that he wanted me away from that. He wanted something better for me. He wanted me to go to college and play football, and you know I had coaches come over to the house for dinner during my. Um, uh, scholarship offer season there and you went to East Mech High School right yes sir yeah. finished out there had some scholarship offers to Miami University of Louisville uh, Utah Utah State Colorado and they came to the house and they sat down with dad he really took it serious but I wasn't taking school serious mm-hmm. I love football I knew I wanted to be a wrestler but I love football right and school was just not one of my things man I mean Hell, I cheated on an English exam my senior year and almost didn't graduate. So my ACT scores were the shits. Mm-hmm. They were bad. And I think he realized that, you know. Um, well, it wasn't where your passion was at. It wasn't where my passion was at. I love football, though, you know. It was just, 
And they moved to Dallas, you know, and I sure. moved to Dallas with them. Mm-hmm. And I picked him up from the airport. And I think this is when he realized, you know, he's probably thinking about it on the plane ride from wherever they were at. He said, and we have about 40 minute drive. He said, I'm, I'm going to break you into the business. And I'm like, what? It's happening. It is, right? You know, it's happening. And he gave me a 45-minute crash course, kind of, of the business. And he said, you're going to get in your car tomorrow or the next day, whenever it was, and drive to Amarillo while he's on his private jet, Mm -hmm. basically, right? The Crockett jet. Crockett jet. Right. Mm -hmm. And you go get you a a referee shirt, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Go down there, and I'm going to have you referee two matches. So I get there, um, nervous. I'm 18 years old. He puts me in a tag match. I had two tag matches. Oh, he puts me matches. in a tag. <laughs> tag matches are hard, right? They're very hard. Okay, I did good on the first one. The second one was a uh, the Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express. Oh, and Tommy Young was the head referee, so he was sitting ringside. I love Tommy Young, looking at me, making sure I did not fuck up. Mm, that okay? would be super intimidating. Everything. I would probably shit my pants. Every, well, listen to this. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything went to according to plan. I went down for the count, one, two, three, and I lift uh, Ricky and Robert's hands up, right? And I look down at, at Tommy Young, and he's laughing, and the whole building is laughing at me. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what did I do? And I look, I look down at Tommy, and he goes. So he points down. To my crotch. Oh, no. I had ripped, because I bought cotton pants, right? Oh, no. I had ripped from the belt all the way back around to the belt mm-hmm. on the back and had no drawers on. <gasps> so my balls are hanging out for the whole Amarillo, Texas to see. Oh, my God. The boys are curtain sellout in the back, and they're laughing their ass off. I was so embarrassed. I got out of the ring, and I went to the back, and they're just fucking giving me shit. I think every That ref- was me breaking into the... <laughs> I think every ref learns that lesson at one point or another. Like, always wear underwear and always wear black underwear. Right. That actually, like, covers your butt because mm-hmm. your pants will rip eventually. I I've done it 20, twice. I made 20 bucks that mm-hmm. night. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Showing your balls to everybody. Yes. Most people make more money than for doing that. So you, did, you, didn't, like wearing, <laughs> you didn't like wearing underwear. Uh, I, I get that because, and how I know this, I have no idea. Dusty never liked wearing underwear either. Why do you know this? Now I like wearing <laughs> underwear though, right? <laughs> right. So I, I need yeah. something to, to hammock. Yeah, he always he always wore <laughs> his things because I sit on them a lot as fifty years old, right? Gravity's taking its toll, man. Poopier. Dusty used to wear his uh, jeans bareback, and it was oh boy, it was something else. Oh so boy. there you go. You have to have been a friend of his and know that. <laughs> Apparently, I've learned a lot today. Right. Learned a lot about a lot of uh, in the locker rooms and the cowboy boots and no pants, mm-hmm. just walking around booking the town. Yes, yeah, that's right. Oh my God. I'm like, put some. Fucking clothes on, Dad. <laughs> you know, Dusty had said to me when when we get, when he gave you the nickname "The Natural." The nickname "The Natural" is a shoot because your your aptitude for the business was above everybody else. You and Barry both. You took to the business. You were so much of a na- you were natural in the ring. So that nickname was. And he, I don't remember him telling me. He said, "I'm giving him the nickname "The Natural" because he really is. The kid really knows what he's doing in the ring. And I never heard that story. You before. never did. No, no, no. I mean, he named me that, but I'd never heard the backstory no. of mm-hmm. that. Then that's true. And uh, and then there was the song that I know you loved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. country song. That was kind of cool. That was. It was it's kinda, cooler now, right? 
sure than it was I, back I get, then. I, I get think. that now, but really, that's that's where the nickname came from. Yeah, and when you and Barry would be together, I mean, it was just it was really magic. It really was. You both kids really because some people have the aptitude, some people grow up in the business and even don't have the aptitude, but yeah. you guys did. So you know what? How I saw it was, I was taking it from Butch Reed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's going to be so mad. Right. You know? <laughs> I was scared to death of Butch Reed. Right? <laughs> God, I'm 19 years, 20 years old. I'm just yeah. like, fuck. Right. It did come easy to me. And I don't know why. But my fir- very first match was at, in Palatka in front of 12 people against Bad Bob Cook. And for the first time, because I learned in a wrestling ring that was actually a boxing ring with cinder blocks underneath it. No ropes. Oh, boy. And the first time I hit the ropes, I hit them with my arms down, and it snapped my neck. And oh. I never did that again. But I, I took to it. Uh, it was easy. It was fluid for me. Uh, smooth. A lot like Barry. And I watched Barry constantly and grew up watching him. And just the way he would move in the ring is so smooth, man. One of the smoothest, best workers on the planet. No question unbelievable the way he moved around in that ring and i wanted to be like barry you know in a sense and i I tried mimicking a lot of the stuff that he did and i'd hope it was different you know but it just became fluid for me and, Mm -hmm. and a lot easier and i took to it like fish to water yeah very natural so here i am the natural yeah there you are i don't know if i'm not natural anymore because i forgot all that shit I don't know. I mean, I actually end up having discussions at home with all my friends about your matches because it's it's they're some of the most exciting on the show. Tonight, I'm gonna really <laughs> fuck it up. I've got your match tonight, so let's let's hope not. <laughs> I might die. I'll try like, and take fuck. care of you. It'll be a great moment in TV if you do. That's I'll be true. calling. It. Ratings will go up. Okay. Yeah. Will y'all visit my funeral? No. No. I'll go. Okay. Flowers go. at least. She'll go. I'll sign to flowers. Yeah. What kind of flowers do you like? I don't really like flowers. Then I won't send you flowers. I can send you some fake shit. Just buy you me won't a can know of snuff dead. and put it on my... So, <laughs> so when, when you... Uh, Dustin, when you perform now, you, you, yes. you have a face paint, half side. What, what, what's the meaning behind all that? The meaning is, uh, you know, half natural. Mm-hmm. You have the Dustin Rhodes, but mm-hmm. nobody has seen the unnatural yet. And that's a place that somebody pushes me a little far. It brings out this... A different side of me mm-hmm. so it signifies a lot of things like there's you know trying to get back to the natural Dustin Rhodes and in the the old look of the 90s you know WCW look but still loving the face paint because it is part of what I've done for so long and I love the face paint it's part of your identity and you have the red and the black which signify to me you know the the good the light and the dark mm-hmm and when there's an unnatural happening, uh, it's completely different, and nobody's seen that yet. And I hope I never have to pull that out, because nobody's like really damaged me to the extent of uh, me having to dig deep. But the unnatural is there, in there. So I kind of use it like that, you know, the natural side, the unnatural side. Um, and then there's the really un- unnatural. One of the things... I loved, I think it was Philly, maybe it was Philly, you tagged with Sonny Kiss and Mm -hmm. his gear matched yours. That was sweet. Did you know about that ahead of time? I did not. Oh my God. And he wanted to shoot videos all night. 
<laughs> little, I love the little clip of you guys walking down the hall. Yeah, little things like that. A little and saunter. That was special for him and very special for me. And I love Sonny Sonny's to death. Yes. And he's quite the athlete. Mm-hmm. You're not he really is, man. Oh, my. And uh, if I can just get him a little bit um, more volatile, mm-hmm. that's what I'm working on, to have him explode a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a big star, and I do want to tag with him again, and hopefully down the road we can do it again. So you know, be wonderful. Yeah, I think you two. Do. I love Sonny. Like you two obviously have some chemistry together in the ring. It was a great match, and like even and seeing maybe you guys, this next time I'll shake my ass, my old ass, like maybe. he does, and try to do the try what's and twerk. it called the crunk, the twerking. Oh, is it a tr- twerk? Twerk. Try to twerk a little bit. What's a crunk? I, I don't know. You got to get you got to get crunk. Crunk. With it. Crunk is like I think like partying. Okay. I don't know. So it's way too old. For it's me way too to old. Be I mean, at, like twerking. No, it's it's. I mean, I'm too old to be twerking. So you are. Oh yeah. How old are you? Like twenty. I'm thirty-two. Two, thir- three. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks though. <laughs> so so I want to talk a little bit about um, your hashtag. You keep stepping. Yes. Where does that come from? It comes from from my uh, father. This is probably the, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, the. The one thing that means the most to me, I think, now, later in life. Uh, I was very bad into drugs and alcohol for a good chunk of four or five years. Mm-hmm. And it got really, really terribly bad. And I did not care about life. I didn't care about my daughter. I didn't care about anything you know, mm-hmm. except drinking and taking pills and doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. That's all I cared about. And it got really bad. And I had a three-day little binge, and I could not snap out of it, and it scared me. Mm-hmm. And that was my, I think that was my um, my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. The third day happens, man, and it's four in the morning, and I'm just, a lot of things are going on in my body. And at that point, I had lost everything because I had pawned everything. I mm-hmm. lived in a little garage connected to somebody's house that I was renting out as big as this room, maybe a little smaller. Had nothing except clothes and a few things, you know, and no cell service. Dad gave me one of his uh, bought pay phones or Mm -hmm. whatever, cell phones. So I had to crawl up, or if I needed cell service, I had to go up the hill. Mm -hmm. We lived on this kind of hill. And it's pouring down rain, it's four in the morning, my wife is there now. She was with me through all of this, and she helps me crawl out. I'm so shit-faced. And I crawl up the hill, and I call my dad. I call my dad, and, and I tell him um, that I need help. And WWE has the you know the rehab uh, wellness program yeah. for anybody who's been there or is still there. And uh, they got me in the next day. So I loaded up on drugs and alcohol going into rehab. I get out of rehab 30, day, 30 days later and I haven't turned back. And it's almost 12 years. And from that day I got out of rehab, dad would call me every day to make sure that I was working my program Mm -hmm. and I went to an AA meeting for two years straight every single night and each phone call would end you know you just keep stepping dust and I'm proud of you and this and that so that's the um, that's where that comes from that is where that comes from well thanks for sharing that with us yeah really 
because I, I know that's that's very deep and that that means a lot. Your dad was was certainly a, a, a great man, and he he started my career. And he started many people's career. Looking back on if he was with us today, what do you think he would think of what you and Cody are doing and, and how the business has changed today? He would want to be a part of this, man. I mean, do you think he'd be here? I do actually. And if he wasn't, if he wasn't able, he would be watching every week. He'd be on the phone constantly with us. Very proud. I know, without a doubt, he is here. He is looking down on us and, and very proud of things I have done and the things that Cody is doing and has yet to have done. Um, extremely proud of us. He loved his kids mm-hmm. very, very much. Yeah, and uh, well... We can pay homage to him every uh, every night we walk out because mm-hmm. that sign is there and his bull rope is there for us to remember That's that. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we appreciate you being with us quickly. you have any projects that you got coming up you want to tell us about? Get all my Dustin Rhodes official merchandise at RhodesDream.com, R-H-O-D-E-S-D-R-E-A-M.com. You can get all my stuff there. Okay. Cool. I'm doing movies. Yeah. yeah. I have one coming out in a couple of days on Amazon Prime. So I'm excited for that. Is it an action? If you're playing this in April, yeah. then nobody's going to. Well, no, Amazon Prime's forever. You can always. Everyone Amazon Prime, you can check already. my my film out, Copper Bill. Copper Bill. I did Bill. a great job. It's It was a very um, commanding performance I did. Really? Yes, it was. And, and I'm very proud of it. And hopefully one day I will be as big as The Rock. <laughs> but like more important, or like fame, more, fame. More importantly, <laughs> but fame doesn't. You know, fame is not all. It's yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. everything. I want to be a good actor. Mm-hmm. I want to walk the stage and, and get an Oscar. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of what my next dreams and aspirations are after wrestling. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is always going to be a part of my my life. Mm-hmm. I, hopefully, I can retire here and still live my other dreams. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's one of the great things about this company is that... Not going back to that WWE <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the great things about this company, right? Is it's it's about wrestling, but it's also about supporting you and your aspirations you and do, your dreams. Right? This, this company, AEW, is pretty impressive. There has not been anything happen that has disappointed me from any of our talent here. It is a team. I see it as a team, and everybody is working together. Everybody has their own things, but we know it's a team, right? Mm-hmm. So when somebody falls down, we help them back up. Mm-hmm. And that's the good thing about this company. We don't have a bunch of assholes here. No. We're not putting up with it. I'm not going to put up right. with it. And they're all passionate and hungry. That's the big difference than anywhere else. And they're able to do this on, on live TV every week now. We just have to get them acclimated to live TV because mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't used to that. But they're doing a tremendous job. And so all, are you, buddy. Oh, um, thanks, man. All right, man. Thanks I'm for being with dirt. us. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> we appreciate it. We've we been appreciate- talking with the Natural Dustin Rhodes. And a reminder, subscribe to the AEW Unrestricted Podcast. By the way, it's for free. Do you know that? For free. For free, for wherever free. you get your podcast. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's free? <laughs> yes. No, sorry. That's what you means you're not getting paid for this. this. That's right. $8? And be sure to be, be <laughs> sure to show me your balls. <laughs> be sure to. I'm sitting on them right now. <laughs> yes. You're 50. Be sure to tune in to AEW Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock Central on TNT. I'm Tony Schiavone along with. Aubrey Edwards. Thanks for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Thank you, Dustin. <laughs>